I'm Tom Karen, and on this episode of Nesson's My Story podcast, Alex Verdugo tells us how he idolized David Ortiz as a kid and the journey that brought him to Fenway Park. I love my parents so much, and you know, I wouldn't be where I am today without them. I told my parents I'm going to be in the big leagues in three years. I knew what I wanted from a young age. Sorry, right, nice little ground ball, though. Play gets right out. Come on. I knew nothing was going to stop me. Got to think positive. Got to think positive. Come on. want to be the best ever. You know, you want to be the best. You don't play this game just to be average. Sliding play by Verdugo. You play this game to be the best. I love this game so much that, you know, when I talk about it, when I think about it, it's all I think about. It's all, it's all I want to do. This has always been part of your life. When you're a prospect like you've been, what did it mean to have parents that were willing to support that, that were willing to you know, there's a financial investment, there's a time investment, and from what I've read, you know, your dad was always right there along the way, your mother, what did that mean to you as a young player growing up? It means everything, you know, your parents are uh, a big part of who you are and, and like the person you become. So for me, um, yeah, my mom was, was the one who had the set job, had the, the actual income coming in, and my dad was, uh, you know, he was an auto detailer. He worked around, but he kind of made his own hours. He got his own money, he made it, he made it any way he could. And uh, with that being said, you know, my mom has the set actual job, so she has to go in, she has to go to work. You get a certain amount of days off, things like that. Where my dad, he can build around his schedule. So it helped out with, you know, me traveling. Uh, my dad would just take me. Just to have supportive parents and, you know, parents that will really sacrifice anything and and do anything for you it's uh, it's special man it really is doing the research on is I get a Southwest kid LA played team Mexico loves ice fishing wait what yeah. <laughs> something doesn't belong here how do you end up ice fishing uh, like I yeah like you said my mom's from uh, Minnesota International Falls up there which is literally right by the like Canadian border yeah they call it like the ice box of the nation really you know it gets the negative 40 get, right. gets real crazy out there yeah my mom she was a smart one she was raised there till she was 18 and then headed out to Tucson just to get in the heat but no I, I love going back I still have all my grandparents my cousins on my mom's side is, is all up there so uh, just to go back over there and it's it's amazing you know I, I grew up in a city I grew up in in Tucson and then I grew up you know going to LA going to so I was always around big cities always things like that so when you go out to International Falls it's um, it's a complete change of everything you know it's just there's not a lot of people out there there's it's extremely cold like the, you go out to the lake if it's frozen you go drill a hole in there and drop a line sit there you know and either hear the the little jingle of it or, or see something and you pull start going but um yeah it just it was cool. I felt like I got the best of both worlds. You know, I got to I got to experience a city. I got to experience that kind of growing up, and then it's like, well, I'm still in I'm still in like touch with my uh, like the outdoorsy stuff with all that stuff. Like I love to go off roading, like messing around four wheelers, shooting, like 
uh, fishing, stuff like that. I love it all. So, a big family. Uh, I got five sisters and two brothers. I'm pretty much second youngest. I have some half sisters and a half brother. I got the middle seat in the back seat a lot, you know, with the hump. Uh, you just like, yeah, with a big family and, and traveling so much like we did, you get used to being really close. You get used to, like I remember time, like me and my brother, we shared the same bed growing up. You know, the big brothers, they don't want you around. They don't want you hanging out with their friends or stuff. So that's kind of where I got the baseball stuff. I was like, well, dang, if I can't hang out with them like that, well, you guys want to go play catch? Like, you know, their friends play baseball. They were playing baseball. So it was like, it was a easy, you know, didn't matter what age you were. It was like, hey, like, let's just go play. Let's go hit. And then obviously, since I was younger, I felt like I had to be better, like, you know, just to keep up with them. I felt like all that kind of helped me progress as a baseball player even quicker. Alex Spear of the Boston Globe reflects on Verdugo the prospect. Verdugo was clearly a star level talent. He was a guy who showed tremendous ability both as a hitter and as a pitcher. Verdugo had just that incredible throwing arm. He was mid 90s on the mound with a hammer curveball but he was also a standout, a standout in the batter's box and had a real passion for hitting. You were such a big prospect. When that happens, you know, scouts start showing up at the house, you get calls, your parents. What was all of that like? You know, you're, you're a young guy, you're a teenager. I'm sure your parents getting involved. Was, was, was there stress there? I mean, how did you navigate? Like, I never obviously experienced that. You hear about it and yeah, you see the scouts at the games, but you know, to, to wake up early in the morning, go to school, have a full day at school, go to practice, have a full practice, or you know, play a game, and then after that, you have to like do homework and then go talk to scouts too. Yeah, scouts, I just remember over at, at all hours of the day, you know, just whenever they can come in, say hi, and it, it was hard. Staying through some of those meetings and you're like, try not to fall asleep, because you're just like, you've had such a long day. So it was just, it was all new to me, and being in high school, I never had to deal with anything like that. So um, yeah, it was, it was also cool though to see um, how much interest was being kind of brought up about you. Growing up, you get told like, hey, you're good. Like, you know, like, everybody at, in Little League thinks they can go to the big leagues. Like, I'm in pony ball and I'm hitting homers. Like, I'm gonna go to the league, you know? And then they go into like high school and then they start fizzling out. Like, and then you start realizing like, then they're like, oh, wow. And then a couple people stick with it and you, and you go on. But yeah, to see the scouts come, to kind of have the interviews with them, it, it just started making everything like, oh, this is real. Verdugo had incredible confidence in his talents and sometimes that came across in ways that were that could be interpreted differently you know for instance he might argue with an umpire in a high school game because he was passionate about controlling the strike zone but it came some for some people it came across as maybe being a little bit hyper confident for a high school kid in Verdugo's mind this is who he was where I got drafted was still a good spot there's nothing wrong about that but like the person I am the competitor I am and what feeds me is I want to be the best I expected to go higher like you see people who go in front of you and it adds fuel to the fire. Like, man, really? Like this guy? Like, or this person? Like, all right, like maybe because that's the safer, that's the safer choice. Like, you know, but it's like, so yeah, it, it just, it puts a fire in you and, and really just makes you want to be even better. You see guys coming from high school into the pro ranks and they struggle for at least a year. 
Verdugo never had that transition problem. He has a natural all fields approach that just allowed him to hit and hit and hit and move at a really quick pace through the minor leagues to the point where as a teenager he's reaching high class A which is just something that doesn't regularly happen and he's excelling there and so he was named the Dodgers minor league player of the year at a very early stage of his career. By 2017 he's being asked as a 21 year old to make the leap from the minors to the big leagues. Where were you when you got the call up that you're gonna make your... Uh... I was in Oklahoma City at my apartment and um... Yeah, just my, uh, my coach had called me early in the morning. I had missed the first call, and then I had, he called me back again, and I was like, hello, like, you know, super early. So I already kind of figured, in my back of my mind, I figured, okay, like, it's either good or bad. You know what I mean? Like, I either got called up or, like, I'm in trouble for something. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. And then, yeah, he ended up calling me. He was like, hey, like, you did it. At first, I was like, hey, Hass, you're messing with me, right? Like, you're, you're just joking, huh? He's like, I wouldn't mess with you like that, dude. Like, this is well-deserved, you know, like, now go up there and show them what you got. And I just remember, like, I instantly jumped up, feeling good, and I said, thank you. And I called my, my parents, and as I called my parents, like, my mom and my dad, like, they start getting that little frog in their throat, you know, a little back of the throat, where they, and I'm like, you guys gotta stop, you guys gotta stop, right? Like, this is, you guys are gonna make me cry, let's just chill out, you know what I mean? Like, it's your dream, man. Crazy. I worked extremely hard. I put countless hours in behind the scenes with people don't even see from the, the hitting lessons, the pitching lessons, the just the mental lessons from everything that you do growing up to, to get to this point and to get to that call. It was, you know, like the, like, wow, like the weight of my shoulders. Like I'm not no guy that just got to double A and, and said, oh man, I could have been to the bigs. Like, no, I, I made it. resonated with fans in LA. There's the walk-up music. There'd be a celebration, I swear, every time I, I flip on a late game and you know, you'd be walking up the plate, the place would be dancing. What was that like? Oh, that was unbelievable. You know, they have such an amazing like Latin population and, and, and fan base. I was blessed, man. I'm, I'm half Mexican and, and just to come into that, they embraced me. There were, it was nothing but love, nothing, you know, open arms. And uh, yeah, the truth, like my walk-up song was, was mainly, it was for my dad but also partly was probably for the fans as well. The music I pick, you know, it hits home. For me, like my dad growing up, he, that's his, like one of his favorite artists and just, you know, one of his favorite songs that think, makes him think of his mom, makes him think of, you know, of people and, and things in, in his life. And so I just remember, you know, listening it to a, with my dad and yeah, he just explaining it or you start seeing some tears come down his eyes or, or things like that. And then it's just like, like you start realizing like how much it means to him. I'm gone a lot. I don't see him a lot. So you know, every time I go to the bat and I hear it, it's like brings me at home. The song helps me get me in my zone. It helps me just, just like ignore everything else that's going on. And it just like literally, I just think of my dad. Like I just go, I think of like when I was a kid. I think of just listening to him, like hanging out with my, my pops, just little joyous, innocent moments. That's what it brings out. And then obviously, you know, having, having the, the fan base scream and react and, and hold on to everybody, it does exactly to what I feel when I was younger. And it shows it. So it was just something that I can't thank that fan base and, and them enough for, you know, the moments and, and memories that they gave me and like the feelings. The memories and stuff like that, man, there will be some of the strongest and best memories that I have.
My favorite team was probably Boston Red Sox and the Arizona Dimebacks. In the Fenway last year, I uh, got to go in the Green Monster. Mm -hmm. uh, you look like a little kid, like like you know, like a fan who's getting yeah. to check it all out. Was it? Did it feel like that? <laughs> Not a lot of people know it, but like. I grew up a Boston fan. Like, I love Boston. I really did. And that's because David Ortiz, uh, Manny Ramirez, like Mike Lowell, there's just a lot of guys that, you know, Coco Chris, JD Drew, like a lot of people. I just grew up watching that team. It's just ESPN, everybody, they always blew those games up Boston versus the Yankees. So that was the game you could always watch any point. Didn't matter, like, TV, bar, whatever. It's always on, it's always public. So, like, I just, through a little bit, it just ended up, I ended up being like, Damn, when's, Bo when's Boston playing? Like I ended up like, like just that was my team. It was like whoa. And then obviously I liked the D-backs because they were in Arizona, so it was like it was close enough to go see them. But no, Boston was my favorite, and um, it was crazy because all you do is you hear about the field so much. Everybody talks about like the historic, like one of like the oldest ballpark. Then you see the dimensions, then you see the monster, and it's like, it's it's surreal, it's it's unbelievable, and it, it's something that, like when I was there, I was like, wow. It's on! I got you! Obviously blessed with the opportunity to play every single game there, and I had success there too. So I had like a lot of really like, kind of cool moments there, and, and just, I remember hitting the home run and running around the bases and just smiling like a little kid. There's a fly down the right field line deep, that one headed deep into the corner, back it goes, and this game is tied. Verdugo with a shot down the line to make it 1-1. Boy, this kid is having some kind of year for them. My whole life growing, like watching Boston Red Sox people hit home runs and go, and it's like now I'm running on the same field, like doing the same trot that all these other dudes that I watched grow up do, and it's like uh, it was it was crazy. You threw out Devers. Yep. Have you talked to him about it since? Uh, I just tell him, Bobby, why you run on me, man? Whoever doesn't know, like you guys are gonna know. Like, all right, the machete is coming at you. I take so much pride in that and I, I'm so happy to talk about that because like people who understand baseball realize like man you make that play, you make a diving play, you throw somebody out, like you need to celebrate that because not only is it good for you, but like that pitcher, you know, your team, the momentum, like there's so many things that get into like to go into play on that and like the pitchers. I get fired up like when I throw them out and then I see like a pitcher's reaction. Dude, like the reactions of, the genuine reactions of your players. That's what you love. And it, for me, that's why I, I try to do the best I can with every aspect of the game. It's not just a one-sided game. You know, you don't go up there and just hit. You don't go up there and just play defense. You don't go up there and just be a fast base runner or steal bases. You do everything. You take it all. That's why you want to be a five-tool player. You want to help contribute at every single facet of the game. That way you're gonna help your pitchers out. You're gonna help your the hitters behind you, in front of you, by getting on base, by seeing pitches, by being able just to come back into the dugout and saying, hey, his stuff looks like this today, or hey, it's coming out a little bit, or he's got a little bit of this right now. It's just like little things that you try to look and you try to like keep finding ways to just get better, give you a slight more advantage. The Red Sox saw in Verdugo a guy who would be able to contribute for them for a number of years and someone who had that ability 
to play with a certain electricity that would impact them all around, not just on one side of the ball, but be that really well-rounded player. No one's going to ask a guy who's replacing Mookie Betts to be Mookie Betts, but the Red Sox did need to replace Mookie Betts with a guy capable of helping their team on every in every facet of the game. The Mookie Betts trade, I mean, it was hung in the wind there for a week. Did you hear anything from any team at that point? No. Or were you like all of us, just reading yeah. everything? Everybody's blowing you up. My, hey, is it true? Is it true? You have family members calling. You have, you're like, bro, I don't even know. Guys, like I haven't even gotten a call from my, like from the Dodgers or from the Boston. Like I don't even, like right now I'm at a weird period because we're so close to spring training. Like, so like I got traded, it's like, uh, do I still go to the Dodgers facility and work out with them? Like, hey, what's up guys? Like, you know what I mean? I felt like I was fortunate enough to find out that I got traded in Minnesota. I think that kind of helped me because it was a lot going on, but I was, I was with my family and I was, you know, with the right people to kind of help me through it. And like, you don't know what to say. You know what I mean? There's no words. It's kind of like, it, it feels, it feels like, you know, breaking up with the first girlfriend or something. Like, it's just like, you know, and then you're like, oh, but I still want to get back with you. But you don't know? Okay, all right, bye. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like, it, it sucks at first. You're just like, man, like, do you get past that denial, that, that hurt? And then you start going like, Oh, wait, I'm going to, wait, I'm going to Boston? Okay. I'm a big believer of everything, everything in life is a blessing, whether it's good or bad, you know? It's just, it's a blessing in its own way, whether it makes you stronger, whether it makes you, you know, happy, and, and or you're hurting at first, and, and now you know how to deal with it. It just, everything's a blessing, and everything happens for a reason. Ron Redicky said, here's this baseball life, and he's telling us, he's telling me, you're gonna love Verdugo's energy. What does that mean to you? That that he values the energy and everything you bring to his club. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like the whole, you know, when people would get uh, don't don't wear your emotions on your sleeve. Like I didn't I never understood that. Like why? This is a high fly ball driven deep to right. Verdugo back to the pen. Leaps up, he oh. caught it! He caught the ball! He oh. took it back! So for me, my my joy, my passion, the fire, the whatever it is, like that comes out and yeah, it's show it and people love that because that's the joy and love of the game. Taking a home run back, that's one of the most exciting plays in baseball. Oh, oh my God. It was huge. And obviously you guys can see I was I was pretty hyped up. You hear it even when I catch it, I'm all yeah. Some energy. You hear that dude screaming? Yeah. That was him. That's him. Everybody be careful, I got a hot mic. Hot mic. I wear my emotions on my sleeve, but like the negative stuff, you you gotta just move. Weird playing with no fans. You gotta just move it, flip it. It's definitely harder to get amped up. Go get that that out, and then after that, boom. Hey, come on, babe, come on. Like, let me see what you got. Hey. At least I would have people to talk to. Now, I got nobody. I mean, I got Jackie, but he's far. You make an error. You don't sit there and freaking cry about it and fight it and like get mad at it. Like, what are you gonna do? Got to think positive. Got to think positive. Come on, come on. Like next ball that comes to me, I, hey, I'm taking it. Like, it don't matter. And tagged into left field, a sprawling effort to catch made by Verdugo. Like I'm extra locked in. Like I'm extra like amped up. Where I'm like, nah. Between the lines, I'm giving it 100. percent And that's the way I play. I play in between lines. I give it my everything. I give it my all.
My story is part of the Nesson Podcast Network. The home for New England sports.